Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Four Star Podcast. I am your host, Jordan DuPont, joined, as always, by Nick DeCola, Ty Mullen, and Andrew Freeman. You can check out the podcast on Twitter at Four Star Pod CHI. You can find Nick on there at ndicola 21 Ty at TMMullen007, and Andrew at AJFreeman25. We are going to jump right into it this week because I have a hunch this is going to be a longer episode. We've got a lot of Cubs stuff to go over. We got trade deadline to talk about, and we got Bears training camp that just opened up. Uh, I think all of us are in a pretty good mood (laughs) after this past week. Oh, yeah. Um, Cubs went on an eight-game win streak. It did get snapped in the finale against the Cardinals, but swept the White Sox, took three out of four against the Cardinals. And uh, everything we've been prophesizing and hoping for has come true. The Cubs are, in fact, buyers. Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman are not going anywhere. We're, I think, three and a half or four games out of first in the division, and we're only another half game behind that in the wild card. Things are trending up. So without any more delay, who wants to dig in and, and start dissecting this a little bit? Oh. Well, we should we should talk the trades that happened since the Cubs are Cubs are buyers. We can start there. We can yeah, start there. Just happened a couple hours ago. Yep. Yeah. Pretty yeah. crazy. Um, As of this recording, <laughs> correct. Kyle Hendricks is no longer the last remaining Cub from 2016. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, the yeah. Cubs did make a deal for Jamer Candelario uh, with the Nationals. Uh, Jamer, I forget who we dealt him for, but I know we dealt him at the trade deadline in 2016 to make that push. It was for, I, I just saw this tweet, it was for Justin Wilson and one other player whose name I don't remember, but it was it, Justin Wilson and one other guy was who we traded for. And uh, to get him back for the rental, we traded, um, again, the names escape me, I'm looking it up right now, but it was our 14th and 16th prospects. So um, not even you top know, 10. I'm not even, so not even okay with this. this. Yeah, I'm so okay with this. He he fills a position of need, corner infield. He's a very good player. It's something we definitely need. Switch hitter, to play. switch hitter. Don't have to play Trey Mancini every day, or at least you know. Don't have could. to. Okay, let's see. Let's see all the people that we can get <laughs> well, rid of here. That we yeah. like Mancini. Madrigal yeah. has been playing pretty well, but um, not going to see him as much. Patrick Wisdom's sub 200 batting average is not going to come up as much. Um, I heard on the broadcast, because uh, I was watching Cubs-Reds uh, before we started recording here. I think they're in the sixth inning right I'm now. I'm watching it right so, now. They're in the seventh inning. I, there we go. <laughs> I got the big um, TV right in front of me, man. They were saying, you know, oh, Miguel Amaya might go down. If Miguel Amaya goes no. back to AAA, I will no. buy it. Because no. his bat is much more needed than uh, Tucker Barnhart's. But, then, yeah, or Mancini's. Yeah, um, or... Yeah. Or Patrick Wisdom at this point. The, like you said, on the broadcast, they're mentioning it. You know, JD and Boog were mentioning it, and they don't know who's going to go down. I'm curious to see. Uh, my there was an open is... spot. There was an open spot on the 40, man. They sent down, uh, was it? Right, but I'm down? saying 27. Who's going to be on the oh. major league roster? My guess is that they'd be more inclined to send down or DFA Mancini before Wisdom. That's my guess. Does Wisdom still have yeah. options at this point? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. They could no, I I doubt Wisdom has any options, but mm. at least at least like you got the home run aspect. He's slugging. Mancini's only hit four home runs this year. Yeah, you want? I'd rather take the power bet. You know, because yeah. like I said, Candelario can play first base. Um, his like outs above average is very just like 
average at first. He's actually had an up year at third this year. He's typically been a bad defender at third. But I mentioned before, and I'll mention it again. Well, I love third base. Third base is like my favorite position, and I love good defensive third baseman. I'll take a hitter over defense any day <laughs> at third base. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> so, on that note, Jamer Candelario, and I know we are not fans of the war statistic. However, he does lead the third baseman. I did he see does that. lead yeah. all NL third baseman yeah. in war. So, and that, that's not for nothing. You know, that's not no, for it's nothing. Not, so, it's, uh, it's still a stat that he is first place in. Even if it's a little bit of a fluky stat, he still, and I think it was by a pretty wide margin too. I want to say he was mm. at 3.7 and second was at 2.9 yeah, or something. He was at 3.1. Mm-hmm. Got it. But still, no, yeah, it's not, it's not for nothing. And and while we meme the war stat, that's still like he's added value to the Nationals. He came there from Detroit, or no. Yeah, he's like yeah, on the Detroit. Nationals, yep. then he was on Detroit, then went back. Um, rental bat, but that's fine. I like it, man. I, I, I am. Well, I'm you sure know, he was only on a one-year flyer with Washington. I'm sure yeah. that it'd be a great trade and extend candidate right there. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. he's not even—he's not even going to charge much. Like, he's not going to cost much. He's like a 757 OPS career guy, or whatever. He's only 29. Yeah. 737, 29. Uh, his, his offensive numbers are up this year. His defensive numbers are up this year. I mean, you know, like his analytics are kind of mad, but so are Cody Bellinger's. Like, whatever. Like, if he can help us make a push. By all means, come on down. Yeah, I, so. I don't think he's a huge difference maker in the grand scheme of things, but he's better than what you're getting. I think that's why he is a big difference maker yeah. because what we've been getting is way – like even if he plays average baseball, just like you know, 100 WRC plus baseball the whole rest of the year, that is still a marked improvement over Madrigal, over Mancini, over yeah. Wisdom. I so, guess I should re- I guess it doesn't raise the ceiling of the group all that much, but the floor yes. is a lot higher than because you're not mm. you're not in that weight well, spot. And with them. I mean Magical's been playing so well since he, he came back. Been. Like yes. like he's been a hitting machine. That's that's the Nick Magical that I thought we were gonna get when we got him from the White Sox. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I could definitely see honestly, like I do just would rather that Barnhart goes and then the battery combination is Gomes and Maya because Amaya is gonna lose that bass because then you can just have Magical at third. Cody like against righties, you can have Magical at third, Cody at first, Talkman in center, Amaya and Gomes rotate, and then Candelario can rotate in and out and DH and all that stuff. And Morel, like, I don't know. It's exciting. It's good. I think it's a good piece. We need corner infield. We'll see. Yeah, now <laughs> we'll see what happens. Now we're we're kind of where we thought we'd be at the beginning of the year with. You know, instead of getting frustrated with lineup decisions like, oh, my God, why is this guy in the lineup? It's now become just with the addition of one guy. How do we get all of our good players at bats? Because if you've got Candelario playing first or third, where's Magical play? Where does Morel play? Um, You know, another notable move, and I know this is a month out from having to consider this, but PCA just got called up to AAA today. I'm sure that's as long as he does well in AAA, I am sure he is getting that extra roster spot come September. So it, we're, we're in a good position. I would much rather have the problem of how do we get our guys at bats versus how do we keep guys from getting at bats, you know? So yeah, it, 100%. I'm, I'm very happy with this move. I, I think it was yeah. a great one. We didn't give up any crazy, it, again, these, it, 
yeah, they're top 20 prospects. They're not top 10 prospects. You know, these aren't and, guys that are going to be hitting the bigs it, anytime soon. And they're still kind of lottery tickets. It, it, important to note. Okay. So the two prospects were DJ hers and Kevin made uh Cubs 16th and 14th prospect. Like I mentioned earlier, they're also both rule five draft eligible. So um, that was another reason for the Cubs to get rid of them because they could have just lost them for nothing in the rule five draft. So again, to clarify those the rule five. Yeah. So, um, to keep things pretty simple, essentially the rule five draft is there to keep uh, farm systems from like storing a bunch of top prospects. So like if a player is rule five eligible, then any team can draft that player and take that player, but they have to keep that player on the 40 man roster or they lose the rights to him. That's gotcha. it, it, it's a lot more complicated than that. And there's other rules and considerations, but in short, that's what it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Baseball is ridiculous sometimes <laughs> with like a, uh, every sport is every sport has their weird caveats but yeah well it's just meant to keep keep guys no like, for sure guys that are worth you know that are yeah. worth a roster sh- spot like have them get that opportunity at the major league level right. rather than just stay stuck in a minor league system that they have no way to get out of good example i'm going to segue here a little bit good example of somebody that's getting stuck in the minor league system uh we just traded away nelson velasquez for uh jose Quas uh to the royals um i have no I, idea I'm that's a, how you pronounce his name yeah Quas. that's how Quas they pronounce Quas. it on the broadcast so okay. that's what i'm going all right with. all right but, that works um he's a, a reliever kind of middle of the road still has some minor league options available um i think they said he's got like a four or five era so far this year so not great been yeah, pitching better of late and actually has, his expected era is 5.07 which means yeah. that he's been getting lucky and like yeah. his all of his numbers are kind of he's 29 in his second season i i don't know i was you know because i was looking up his baseball savant uh, his sinker has way more movement than league average does. And like all of his pitches have more movement than league average does. And I don't know how much Tommy, how talks to Judd about pitching and stuff like that, but I, I don't know if he does. I feel like he, I feel like he yeah. sees a guy because as we've seen, how unlocked the key to a lot of, like unlock the door. A lot of guys, I think yes. he saw this guy and it was like, dude, you give me this guy with this much movement. I'll get you a solid, middle bullpen guy that can come in and eat up innings or, or take some, you know, yeah. stressful innings away. And so if I thought of he likes him or if they, if they know the plan, cause the trade away Velasquez, I mean, I don't know with PCA, so I guess he wasn't going to get anything. Yeah. Time. Yeah. So we've uh, got a stacked outfield right now. Yeah. So, yeah. So a couple points first on uh Kuas. Is that, that's how you say it. Kuas. Quas, we'll go with that. Quas, <laughs> Quas, uh, Quas. So on Quas, yeah, the on his baseball savant page, the one thing that strikes out that that sticks out is that he strikes out a lot of guys, gets a lot of swings and misses. So I think, you know, someone in the Cubs pitching lab, the Cubs pitching lab, they think they can get something out of him, have him be a serviceable reliever. Uh, I think the fact that they are willing to deal Nelson Velasquez is also interesting to me for a couple of reasons. I think it's a pretty aggressive move. So they think Quas can probably help. Uh, this year, but also looking ahead, the fact that they didn't deal Co- Cody Bellinger and the PCA moved up to AAA. Now, I I'm I don't think PCA is going to come up this year unless he absolutely lights up AAA, which I don't. Uh, yeah. Which His I don't, is next year. Yeah, yeah. Which I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he lit up AAA and just came up. Just but up you know, I else. think it's a lot more. I think it's a lot more likely that we see him. I think he makes the team out of camp in 2024, honestly. But I think. With that development happening, maybe they're confident resigning Cody Bellinger. And there's just, again, with 
Saya signed through 2027, I think. Hap signed for another couple of years. Like, yeah, there's just no room. There's for no outfield spots. <laughs> Honestly, like, I'm kind of curious with the PCA thing. Like, do we try to shop Saya? You know, say our Ian at this point. Like, I don't know. Obviously, uh, the prospect is a bit different. It's a bit different. I get it. Uh, Cody, we don't know. I'm curious. I'm excited. That's again, it's a good problem to have. What you know, like finally, it seems like the ball's in Jed's court for good reasons. Yeah. <laughs> this, okay, this this is gonna be a take that's looking a ways out. I don't want to deal Saya, and the main reason I don't want to deal Saya is because there have been reports coming out in the last few days that not only are the Ricketts willing to spend on Shohei, there's another report that came out today. I want to say it was Jesse Rogers. I know I put it in our chat earlier, but I can't remember. Uh, Somebody on ESPN 1000 uh, saying that the three most likely landing spots for Shohei are the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Cubs. And... Say uh, biggest markets, how predictable. Yeah, how but, how but, but not the White Sox, not well the White Sox are in a big market team. Yeah, like yeah. and not the Mets. So. However, the Shohei and Saya are actually friends, like they talk. I yeah. want I want to keep say if all that Saya is good for is bringing Shohei Otani to the Cubs, so be it. I also the money. Well, I and I and I like also a, sorry, go ahead, Nick. I, I was saying also you may not even need to do that even if you resign Bellinger like Bellinger can play first you have a DH True. spot oh, yeah. like you yeah. you have your outfield set like you don't need to trade have you, got, one have of you your seen some of Cody's plays at first base oh my god it's so nice man, he's <laughs> I, mean, else. He's I know athlete. that the Dodgers moved to the outfield because they were worried about him getting hurt but man <laughs> shoot <laughs> he's an athlete. yeah no, and I think I mean uh, I I don't know maybe it's for the worst, but like I like I really think Saya can just be so good, man. Like even just like even if it's just like twenty points higher in all the stats, like I don't know, like he is a major league talent. If I just we had he gets, he gets if some we bad had luck. Lobo umps, like they yeah, probably for real, that. for yeah, real, like literally no, his, his on base percentage would be like so Soto's man. Like, well, <laughs> like the defense crazy. in right field this year has been incredible. Incredible. Yeah, it really uh, has. Say I just struck out, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, some of the defensive plays he's made in right, and again, Wrigley is not an easy field to play right in because you have the weird kind of cutout um, in actual right, whereas right center is actually shallower. So it, it's a fu- and all the wind. I mean, it's a funky place to play outfield, and he has made some incredible plays. So I am. Hundred percent on the say a hype train. I hope he can, you know, start getting the bat turned back around a little bit. But yeah, we're we're entering some uncharted territory that we really haven't been in since we had that 2016 team where we have too much talent to fill the number of roster spots, and I am so okay with it. Dare I say? And I know I don't want to. You know, knock on wood. I got my cocktail right here, but it feels like 2015 a bit already. Like it's just like we're like guys are just coming up. We're not even. I mean, I guess 2015 a bit more rookie talent, but yeah. still like just we're turning this corner and it's like, hey, like we're 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 here, man. We're back in it. So uh, I wouldn't I'm go excited. that far, but it's it's definitely more positive, positive yeah. vibe. I don't know. A, Cubs a have scored the most runs in baseball in July, like somewhere between 2014 yeah. and 2015. If there was like a middle season where there was more of yeah. a stepping stone, then 
Yeah, we did kind of take a pretty, it was a substantial jump. Yeah, we won to 2015. It was a huge jump. 98 games in 2015. Yeah, but wasn't most of that after the All Star break? Like, I I, I remember us being not that impressive at the All Star break in 2015 either. It, I I don't remember. I thought it was. I thought we were keeping pace. Hang on, I got a device. I'll, I'll look at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the Cubs have been very impressive. Like I mentioned, uh, number one scoring offense in baseball in the month of July. Cody Bellinger is still the best hitter in baseball in the month of July. Jamison Tyone has the sixth best ERA in the National League in the month of July, so he's turning it around. The only negative thing that we really can cover is Marcus Stroman has been looking very shaky since we got back from London. And I am Jamison Tyone turning it around is great, but if Marcus Stroman has kind of, you know, him and him and Tyone have flipped spots, it really is a net neutral. It doesn't really do us much good. So I'm hoping Stroman can turn it back around. Trey Mancini broke him with the, it's, it's basically, from that moment. So I, I have this tweet up here. So Marcus Stroman had a 2.28 ERA on the season going into the London start since that start, which doesn't include tonight, which he gave up six, right? Today. He gave up six today. Yes. Yeah. Does not include In three that. innings, six and three innings. So not including that since the London start, he's had an ERA of eight, a whip of 1.85. And that's over six starts, 27 innings. Not, not not great. Not not very good. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. It's kind of a bad thought, but it was kind of funny thought. Was I was like, well, you know, if he does kind of suck, is that he'll probably be more inclined just to take his player option, and then we know we <laughs> have him for another year, <laughs> rather yeah. than trying to get true. a contract. Um, That's true. I mean, because for forty-seven player options exist. Yeah, the Cubs were 47 and 40 in 2015. You can't, you can't trade Marcus Stroman if he has no value. That's true. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Big Andrew, uh, say what you said again. I heard it, but I, I yeah. know it was kind of overshadowed. Yeah, I mean, he's 32 years old. So, I mean, for the lifespan uh, of an athlete, you know, getting up there. <laughs> he's basically in a nursing home. <laughs> I wouldn't quite go that far yet, but he's, he's getting – getting close there i mean you wonder Although you the, wonder when he's gonna hit the wall basically of, of when or the cliff so to speak of when it all right well at it's least, like that for i any, mean the thing that is going for him is much like kyle hendricks is that like yeah. he's a sinker baller and so as long as right. you can just locate your pitches and you got good movement like the idea is that you can go pretty okay in your career <laughs> you know i'm almost wondering if he's got something like with a you know a hot spot on his finger or something with his wrist or his elbow that's not like bad enough to take him out and sit him to put him on the IL. Cause it's such a marked shift from where he was mm-hmm. earlier in the year where he's, he's having some of these command issues. I know, uh, I think they said it, a couple of the early hits today were because um, his cutter just kind of didn't cut yeah, just hung just, in the middle just... of the plate. And the sinker is just hanging in the middle too. I don't know. I'm not a pitching coach. My guess is that it would be more mechanical when you just if you're a sinker baller and everything's just kind of high. But yeah. I'm not a pitching coach, so whatever. Again, from the age standpoint, I mean, it's a long 162 game season. You wonder if you know the arm's starting to get a little tired, you know, in the middle of the season, and that might be causing a little bit of a little bit of issues there. 
my arm gets tired after one day of softball. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's Ty comparing Ty, his rec league throws, softball skills to major he, league pitchers. <laughs> he throws 20 pitches and needs a nice bath. Yeah. <laughs> Take me out, Skip. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I made one throw from right field and I was like <laughs> <laughs> And there goes my rotator cuff. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else uh, we want to take a look at before we move on here? Go get um, Bedner. Go get Bedner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. There's a couple more trade deadline things to talk about. Uh, one of the rumors has been uh, David Bednar from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates that we would like to make a move for. We could, obviously, we need bullpen help. That's been kind of a consistent thing all year. And I've heard some rumors. Uh, coming out of Seattle that Teoscar Hernandez and TJ or no Ty France, not TJ Ty France would also be available at first. Mm. I don't know if you guys really want to unpack about, that at well, all or just kind of leave it out in the ether. I, 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 having a down year. His OPS is below uh, 700. So like, and <laughs> we have all, we have three outfielders with OPS is above 700. Yeah, I, probably, I just, I just want Bedner. I mean, the yeah. only thing that would concern me is we trade is whoever we trade the pirates just tortures the Cubs for the next 15 years. But <laughs> they're the pirates. That's a chance I'm willing to take. Let's get Bedner. <laughs> yeah. Let's get Bedner. And I mean, cause honestly, uh, somebody mentioned this on Twitter the other day. I don't know who, but uh, and they are true, especially with the Cubs being like, "Oh no, actually, we're gonna buy." Uh, the trade market kind of got boring. Like the Mets, yeah, they have Verlander and Scherzer. Like Scherzer went to the Rangers. For those who don't know, and Verlander supposedly may be going to the Dodgers. Um, but that's in the works. But anyways, like apart from that, it's like we got the best rental bat, really. You know, <laughs> like, we like, like we, we already we, took we care did. of business. And then and the Cardinals said Arenado's off the talks, which I mean, Arenado would have been expensive anyways. So uh, the Cardinals say that they want to keep him and Goldschmidt to build, which is kind of crazy. You're going to build off of two 32 year olds or 32 and a 34 year old, whatever. That's Cardinal yeah, way, baby. We're going to talk about that later. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. I yeah, so I think you know we've we've been talking about the Cubs for a good twenty minutes, and we got the Bears to talk about. So let's yeah, we do. We actually got actually got All good right, well, Bears. I'll uh, wrap up the Cubs here with their upcoming schedule. We are in the middle of a four-game series against the Reds, currently down six to four in the top of the eighth. So hopefully we can have another miracle comeback here, yeah, and then to wandered. wrap up. In the bottom of the seventh, by the way. Oh, we perfect. had then on first and second. Did nothing We're back, baby. We're back, baby. Yeah, <laughs> we had three straight outs. To uh, to wrap up the week, we host the Braves for a three-game series, and we're currently in the middle of a 16-day stretch without a day off. So it's uh, two really hot teams at kind of a rough part in the schedule, but it should soften up a bit after that so that we can make a push coming in the second half here. So well, with all that being and even with that, sorry, and then we move on. Like these are good teams and beating them is important though. Like you say like, oh, yes. then schedule softening up. Well, still, if you want to be a buyer and you want to be a contender, you got to beat them. So we got to see what happens when Jamer actually puts on a Cubs uniform again and starts playing. That'll yeah. I, I think that'll kind of show us where we're truly at. So with all that being said, I think it's time to move on to the Bears. Andrew actually got to witness a day of training camp and, again, has some Bears connections, so I'll kind of let him 
take the floor here, uh, go over what he's been seeing and hearing, and see what we can expect from our beloved monsters of the midway. Yeah, I mean, do we want to go over training camp first, or do we want to cover the uh, extension first? What are we, what are we thinking? Do you I want really to fight want now to or later? That's really yeah. the question. <laughs> yeah, let, let's fight later. I, I, want, to, okay, I want to talk about later. good stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, training camp started this past week. So I was able to go uh, last Wednesday to practice. I'm planning on going tomorrow and Wednesday as well. So hopefully I'll have a little bit more next week to talk about. But, yeah, only the one practice. It was their second practice um, of camp. And, um, you know, from the day I was there, not a ton to really report on because it, it's it was a pretty relaxed day. You know, it's a lot of seven-on-seven, seven, a lot of – you know, install, you know, stuff that isn't too exciting, but a couple of things that really stood out. Um, and it's been the talk of camp throughout the entire offseason period, but uh, the Justin Fields, DJ Moore connection, it is, it is real. And it is, yeah. <laughs> it is almost automatic. It seems like at times because the practice I was at, you know, it was a pretty sloppy day from the offense as a whole. There are a lot of drops from receivers, um, you know, defenses were the defense was actually doing a pretty good job of reading Justin Fields' eyes and uh, getting some near interceptions throughout the day and stuff. But it seems like whenever, whenever they were in seven on seven or eleven on elevens or whatever, whenever Justin Fields needed to make a play and they had a couple of bad reps, it was just to do more somewhere and more always catch it. So um, that's probably the most exciting thing for Bears fans I guess, is that Justin Fields, DJ, that's legit. Like they excited to see that duo work because they work really well together there's there's clearly a chemistry there um they look it's really smooth it's a really smooth operation um from that standpoint really i think the offense in general has been a lot stronger and this goes from what i saw and and different reports i've been seeing from different days in camp but the offense looks a lot stronger than it did last which is a huge in the right because last year the offense was uh not great in camp last year, um, even though Bears fans tried to fight me on that whenever I would report that and be like, oh, you're just hating. It's just like, no, I'm reporting the, what I'm seeing at practice, guys. Like, you can live in your reality or live in your fancy land. But, yeah, the offense looks a lot smoother this year from what I'm noticing so far. I'm just – I'm so stoked, and I'm going to take <laughs> my 180 to talk about how stoked I am, but – Getting into a little bit more of the analytic side here, you know, it, I think the fact that we have a true number one wide receiver instead of a number two A mm-hmm. playing number one, we have a true number two. Darnell Mooney has all that stress taken off of him of trying to be a true number one, which it, don't get me wrong. I love Darnell Mooney. He's a great receiver. He's not a true number one. I'm, I'm going to get mm-hmm. off of that high horse. I know I'd been mm-hmm. on it in the past. We have a true number one, a true number two. Chase Claypool, I think, could be a borderline. He's like a 2B, but he gets to play three. Yeah, well, he should be an X. I mean, you know, he's he's supposed to be your isolated yeah. tall guy, and that's and that's what he's meant to and do. And then he gets now. yeah, and then he got Darnell in the slot, which is where he should be. I mean, it's yes, it's we so have, we have an exciting. offense set up to be an actual NFL offense and not just Cole run the rock up the middle. <laughs> God, no more ISO. <laughs> so I, I'm just very excited. And the, from what I've been seeing, and I know Bears Twitter can be overly optimistic, but from what I've been seeing, there's been a lot of positives 
coming out of camp. From yeah. All- I remember well, out of camp. Of yeah. I, I remember out of camp last year, like the initial reports were like, oh, the defense had a good day. Oh, the offense is clunky. They're learning it. And I think it's a really good sign that, you know, even there's still going to be some pains in the offense, I'm sure. Not everything's going to be perfect. But I think at the very least, like the offense has gotten off to a good start. And I think just that on its own is encouraging. Year two in the same system, it matters, you know, and obviously adding all the talent that we did, it matters. Uh, I did see a couple things, Andrew. I don't know if you want to elaborate. Uh, today, yeah, yeah, it seemed like, way, yeah today, again, from Twitter reporters, because people that get to be there, it seemed like it wasn't too great of a day for the offense, but um, it seemed like there's some miscues and fumbles, some interceptions today. But still, hey, like the defense is there too. <laughs> you know, like they're still pros. Yeah. There's, they the get football. paid too. And, and yeah, it is yeah. a good defense. <laughs> you know, and apart, yeah, apart from the defensive line, like, you know, yeah. the, we're working on that. Yeah. And they also don't have pads on. They also don't have pads that's, on. Oh, yeah, so that's like true too. That's, yeah. a key th- you know, that's a key thing to say here. There's no pads. So yeah. the run blocking is definitely not going to be. It's it's not translatable. The How pads go on tomorrow, I think. Oh, okay. Wednesday, Wednesday, I think. Wednesday? Yeah. Is that, that's more recent, right? For the pros to not. Yeah, yeah, it was negotiated into yeah, a CBA can, like okay. one or two CBAs ago. God, I remember in July in high school. Yeah, that was a different animal, man. Jeez. Two and eight pad practices. Oh, You're like sitting at lunch, like crying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so hot out here. Why am I doing this? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, side tangent. Uh, speaking of uh, two days in high school. We had one two a day where it was pouring, raining the entire day, and we decided to do both practices outside. The locker room after both practices was just a cesspool. It smelled like we, oh my God. we had one practice where we did it inside in a gym with pads. Oh, <laughs> it was like two in touch with pads. So all the live and we're going full speed. Oh my, oh my God. Hey. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't think that's ever going to compare to the smell of a wrestling practice with the doors closed and the heat turned up. Hey, uh, I did that saying. too. I did that too. I know you did. Like I know you did, which is why you can sympathize and know that <laughs> yeah. I'm right. But oh man, I don't know. But yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of, uh, I have a couple notes here though. Speaking of the defense, um, the cornerback position is going to be something to watch. Uh, not only is uh, Kyler Gordon, he's playing full time slot right now. So he's not even getting a ton of reps on the outside. All the outside reps for the first team are going to obviously Jalen Johnson, um, Tariq Stevenson, who was a second-round pick for the Bears. But interestingly, Terrell Smith, a fifth-round pick, uh, has been getting a lot of first-team snaps. If, if anything, he's been getting just as many, if not more, first-team snaps than Stevenson in practice. So that was something that um, – I noticed along with Zach Pearson, who, who's uh, my publisher at the Bear Report. So that's something that we kind of noticed is that uh, Smith is getting a lot of, he's getting worked in quite a bit. So there's a bit of a, uh, the Bears aren't willing to admit it right now, but it's the same thing that happened with like Braxton Jones last year, where they put him in at first team pretty early on. And they're like, oh, well, we're just trying to get guys snaps. It's like, no, you're putting him at first team for a reason. They're like, actions speak louder than words. So they obviously see something in the Smith in Smith and um, he's been getting work at safety as well. Cause his safety depth is not great for the bears uh, right now. So um, it, you know, we'll see what happens when we get to the game stuff, but you know, the bears might have a fine there in the fifth round with uh, Terrell Smith. And then uh, a couple other notes I had is, you know, we had the first string offensive line. They've been trying to figure out the second team offensive line a little bit. 
Um, Alex Leatherwood, he's not playing any tackle. He's playing just guard, which is really good for Justin Fields' health because Alex Leatherwood cannot play tackle whatsoever in the NFL. Um, and I'm not, even sure, I'm not even sure if he can play guard either, but he's better at guard. Definitely can't play tackle. Definitely cannot play tackle. Like I just, I had to watch his film last year at tackle and it made me want to puke every single snap. Um, Real quick. I, I want to interject. The reason, reason I said, thank you Raiders is I think the Raiders had a string of like three first round draft picks that did not pan out within two years. And Alex yes. Leatherwood was one of them. Not only did they not pan out, they were like constantly like overdrafted for where they were. Cause I remember yeah. Leatherwood was like projected to go like in the middle second round or something like that. Yep. And they took him at, 17 17 remember right seven times yep god i gotta go john gruden baby <laughs> yep. and i tell you he's what. a gruden grinder <laughs> so oh, i'll yeah. show you my favorite place fire and do my banana <laughs> let's go to hooters and have are, a couple of are, are we allowed boys. to make those jokes now after he's been like blackballed from the nfl or well he worked with the saints because Carr oh. went there so he worked, oh. he's been working with the saints to get uh that. yeah I, I don't good. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if the Saints are like installing more West Coast for car's sake or whatever, but yeah, he's working with them. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not sorry. Yeah, I'm not sure what their situation is there, but yeah, I mean, a couple other things, I guess. Like, it's tough to say there's no pads on. Um, I'll say this um, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, big, fast, definitely, definitely apparent in person. Um, and by the way, it always amazes me every single year going up to these practices, but like, these guys are freaking like, huge in person like, <laughs> i was right i was right in front of like chase Claypool was like doing some uh release stuff working on his release packages right in front of me at, at practice and the dude just i mean he's i got he's like six four like 240 pounds dude just watched me i'm and again i'm a pretty big guy i'm yeah, six yeah. two i i look at andrew and i'm like wow that's a big guy yeah and i yeah. look I, I look small compared to these guys cole Komet is freaking huge and he doesn't look like it all the time on TV, but on in person, he's – and that's not even to mention the offensive lineman. Like, Darnell Wright, all those guys are just uh, – Dexter is a massive human being. So oh, – um, I did I did want to ask – I don't know if you were about to transition into that, but I've been hearing good things about Dexter and his work ethic. Uh, have you – Yeah, I mean – Did I, that I, show up at all? Did you – It's tough to say. It's, it's always tough to kind of judge defensive linemen at this stage – of things like you'll only know them when they make a good play. You'll never notice when they make a bad play. It's the same for offensive linemen. You know, a lot of the focus right now is on the passing game stuff. So it sounds like, it sounds like though he's having a good camp. So that's an encouraging thing, which um, I wasn't the biggest Dexter guy when he was coming out of Florida. So that's it. That's an encouraging thing uh, to say the least. Uh, a couple things to note for the defensive line though, Zach Pickens, their third round pick. He's currently like buried on the third string right now so he's not getting a ton of stuff they have some guy named donovan jeter getting second team reps ahead of them and i don't i have no idea who that guy was before camp so that kind of tells you where zach pickens is at in terms of the other defensive tackle uh if you want to get some insight on darnell right i think um you know he looks the part in terms of being that big early dude but i think we're i think we are seeing that there is going to be a bit of a I, there's no pads, so keep that in mind. But there is going to be a bit of a uh, a learning curve here. He he did have some. I did notice a couple of reps where he was getting beat in practice. Which again, no pads. He's a rookie, but it's understandable. I, yes, and I think and I think a lot of Bears fans have in their mind that Brent's going to step in and be this elite right tackle right away. And I think they're getting really beat ahead of themselves because 
most rookie tackles like suck. Like we have like it doesn't matter. Like seriously, most like you look at like Andrew no, Thomas. I, I know. He's one of the best left tackles in football right now. He was abysmal as a rookie, and now he's in his third year, fourth year, whatever, and he's like the best left – one of like two or three best left tackles in football. Like these guys take a while to get there, and I think a lot of Bears fans have their mind that like he's going to be like this beast out there, and it's just like it's oh, not yeah. going to happen early. <laughs> no, it, it makes sense. There's a big learning curve. NFL offenses, I'm sure, are more complex – the you know the guys you're going up against are not kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's gonna have to rework his pass pro technique too. He's gonna have to rework his pass pro technique because Tennessee they did a lot of short sets set stuff, so he wasn't asked to do a lot of vertical kick slides out of his stance. And you know, in the NFL, in order to combat some of the speed rushers in in the NFL, he's gonna have to learn how to get depth in the slide, and he didn't really do that at Tennessee. So even though pass pro is the strength of his game, it wasn't something that he was doing like you typically see in the NFL. So it's, yeah, it's going to be a learning curve. I'm, I'm just hoping, expect- sorry, go ahead. I, I'm just hoping like I am a huge Tevin Jenkins fan and I am really hoping that him and Darnell Wright can just solidify positions on this offensive line and just be freaking monsters. Cause when they're on, like when Tevin is on, it is just it, it is fun to watch. I mean, he just runs people over, and having oh, yeah, two guys like that on, on your offensive line, I think uh, it's going to set up Justin Fields to feel a lot safer uh, than he did last year. If those guys can put it together, yeah. I mean, I'll say I'll say this one thing before we get to you, Nick. I'll say this: like, I don't know if the pass pro is going to be great again this year. It's probably not going to be very good. Um, just pointing that out there right now. I th- and that's another thing I think we should probably set the expectations there is that the pass pro is not the strength of this offensive line still. The run blocking is going to be very good again. Pass pro is probably years away from being, you know, a, a suitable situation probably. Look, Bears fans, I know we all want to see him, you know, go 17. No, I do too. But, like, I think that really, like Andrew said, it's important to realize that's like, the biggest thing, man, is just are we improving? Is Justin Fields taking that next yep. step? That's the big – that's the keys is the defense right. getting better. Everything else will figure itself out. Yeah, because the window – unless unless we do make some miraculous, like, leap this year, the window mm-hmm. is really next season. But, yeah, get ready. Yeah. Get ready for it to be 100%. exciting and fun this year because it's going to be fun, hopefully – and we're yeah. going to win more than three games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what a boy like. like me, legitimately, yeah. I think with the, what the team has done in the offseason with the draft picks, I think we can finish somewhere in the neighborhood of eight, nine, nine and eight. I think that is a totally reasonable expectation for this team. And if that's where we wind up, I'm going to be happy. If we wind up getting anything more than that and can somehow make a playoff push, I'll be over the freaking moon, man. But I think eight and nine, nine and eight, solid right around five hundred is a good step in the right direction and, and a fair guess for this team moving forward. Quick sidebar: I hate odd number games. I despise it's, that. Yeah, it sucks so <laughs> much. Dude. No, it's just God, the new schedule, the new game format. Is, they had the perfect thing going for them: thirty-two teams, sixteen games, four yeah. divisions, four teams. Like now, it's all totally rooms. agree. It's all totally rooms. agree. I. These greedy, stupid owners. Whatever. It's for a different day, I guess. <laughs> different one. And now the Super Bowl. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, my birthday, is, I guess I'm just outing my birthday on here, but my birthday is February 3rd. Two of the best birthday presents I have ever gotten are the New York Giants kicking the crap out of the Patriots 
on my birthday. And that will never happen ever again because of the 17 game schedule. It pushes the Super Bowl back an extra week. So no more double awesome party for my birthday happening on the Super Bowl. I was so upset when I found out about that. <laughs> boo-hoo, Jordan. Boo-hoo. Yeah, it is boo-hoo. I'm going to go cry about it. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Um, that's a bit of Bears news, but I guess before we move on. Um, yeah, yeah, we got to fight about this still. Uh, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to fight about it, actually. But, you know, Cole Komet did get extended, a four-year extension, uh, $50 million, uh, $32 million guaranteed. Which that might be the only part we fight about, Nick. But um, yeah, if we look at the you know the structure of this deal, you know, pretty interesting deal for the Bears. So what they did here, which I think is very smart, they increased Cole Komet's salary this year from about three million to just under five million, and guaranteed that entire salary. They gave him an eight million dollars signing bonus, um, and basically the next two years are fully guaranteed. And you look at his cap hits now. He's just over $7 million for this year, so that bumped up a little bit. And then the next four years, he has the same exact cap each single year at $11.6 million. So interesting deal for uh, Cole Komet. Um, it's, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Like when I first heard the news, I was, I was ready to bitch and moan about it because I – like I, I've been pretty upfront about this ever since he got drafted. I'm not the biggest Cole Komet fan. Can you get back I, into I that mode? Because I came here ready to fight. Now I don't know where to put the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just more background. Like, I wasn't a big fan of him at Notre Dame. I thought he was. I think he's the definition of mid, and I, I don't think anything he does is going to change that for me. But I look. The more I look at the structure of the deal, I don't hate it as much. I still don't like. Like on principle, I don't like the idea of extending Cole Komet early because it's Cole Komet. I think he's re- very replaceable, but if you're going to do it, this is probably the best case scenario because it's not a ton of money. Um, and you look at like the structure of it again, it's a flat structure. And in terms of like percentage of cap that works out on the new deals, like he's taken up about 4% of the cap, four and a half percent in 2024. That goes down to 4% in 2025 down to 3% in 2026 because the cap is going to be escalating. So it works out well for the for the Bears. They can, they can get at, out of it after uh, 2025 pretty easily without any dead money, really. So I know, I know you're ready to fight me on it, Nick, but on, um, on, on further inspection, I don't like it, but I don't hate it either. I think it's fine. You just wanted to Bears. avoid the fight. You're scared. You didn't come – you didn't want to – you don't want to come at me. Um, yeah, no, I I am I really I do like the deal. So Andrew mentioned the cap hit. He has the tenth just looking at 2024, because obviously this is changed and this is the year we have the best data for. Um, he has the tenth high he will have the tenth highest cap hit among tight ends, and that's not including the fact that some guys are gonna get um are gonna be yeah, free Hawkinson's agents, they're gonna Hawkinson, Hawkinson, Dalton Schultz. So he's probably gonna end up with like the eleventh or twelfth highest cap hit among tight ends. Now is he the 11th or 12th best tight end in football? I mean, probably not. I don't think, I don't think it's crazy. I, I don't think, I don't like think in that 16 he's to in 20 that, range, he's I in think, that, but he's know. like within spit and distance. He's in that ballpark. It's not inconceivable to think that he could be that again. He's still only 24. He's gotten better every year. If you just look at his numbers last year, just his receiving numbers, he was 15th mm-hmm. in receptions among tight ends, 13th in yards among tight ends. Um, and tied third in t- tied for third in touchdowns with seventh 
among all tight ends. So he's still, you know, he's still a young player. He's still improving. This deal goes through what will be his prime. So we'll, we should be getting the best years out of Cole Komet. Um, and it's not an insane cap hit. He's building chemistry with Justin Fields. If this offense takes off, I those numbers could definitely go up. So yeah, I am I'm a fan of this deal. I think I, I think it's good for Cole Komet. I think it's a solid deal for the Bears. I think I, I'm not even necessarily saying that you do this, Andrew, but I think a lot of Bears fans get annoyed anytime they see a contract because they think it's Madden and they 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 refuse oh, yeah. to like you know, you know, they want they want to get like you know, uh, I don't know. They want they want to pay Patrick Mahomes like two million dollars a year, and they want you know, yeah. um, the, I, I I don't even know Jason Kelsey at center for uh, a ham sandwich. But like, you can't do that. These guys are professional athletes, and sometimes that means you have to pay good players what they're worth. And I feel like this deal is what Cole Komet is worth. And, and the thing you have to point out with, especially for NFL contracts, is it's not about the bigger biggest number in terms of like what it's what the total number is it's about a the guaranteed money and b the structure of the money right those are the two most important things the structure i really like for this deal i don't necessarily love that they're giving him a ton of guaranteed money but if you can get out of it after you t- year two it's it's not the worst thing in the world yeah it's if if you have an easy out and giving them the guaranteed money isn't really yeah. gonna affect what you do down the road it, it's, it, it, it's not your it, money it, not your problem yeah Correct. Yeah, I would like to point out, you know, in terms of proper properly structuring an NFL contract to not murder your salary cap, the Kansas City Chiefs made it so that they could pay Patrick Mahomes a half a billion dollars for 10 years and not completely ruin their chances at bringing in other talent. They can keep Travis Kelsey. They can keep, I mean, they've been dealing with the running back. They so did have a trailer with Tyree Kill. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't think they. And look what that got him—a Super Bowl win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the Chiefs made it so that they can pay their quarterback a half a billion dollars and still go out and win Super Bowls. So it is possible. It all—it really is about creative structuring nowadays more than the actual dollar amount. Right. Wow, we're not even at Blackhawks yet. Uh, <laughs> well, the Blackhawks one is going to be quick. Yeah, Blackhawks yeah. is going to be quick. And I, I did preface this episode by saying we had a lot to get to, yeah, and it was going to be a long one. So I like the deal. Notre Dame alum. One of my 180s. That's all you care Dame. about. That's all I care about. <laughs> he's signed up for 20 years for all I care. He's, um, he's going to be he's gonna be singing the fight song when they extend Chase Claypool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If they extend Chase Claypool. Da, 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 hey, we got to see what happens this year. It's a prove it year. Uh, we'll see. So we'll see. With, that, with that being said, I think we should probably move on to the Blackhawks. Again, this is going to be uh, a little bit quicker. I'll let Nick dive in here unfortunately it's not not happy news no it is not it is uh so the only blackhawks news that we have is that uh the owner rocky Wirtz uh passed away on tuesday uh past tuesday about a week ago i'm sorry i i lose track of the days um he he passed away at age 70 um he took over the team from his father who died in 20 uh 2007 bill Wirtz. Um, and he leaves behind a somewhat, first of all, condolences to the words family, first and foremost, obviously it's difficult. Um, he leaves behind a complicated legacy on one hand, he, he took over the franchise at basically the franchise's low point. You know, his dad was dollar bill Wirtz. Uh, 
and he was notoriously cheap, wouldn't pay players, wouldn't broadcast home games on TV. You could not watch a Blackhawks home game on TV until 2007 because uh, Bill Wirtz didn't think it was fair to the season tickets holders. It got so bad in 2004, ESPN named the Chicago Blackhawks the worst franchise in sports in 2004. That's not that long ago. So three years after that, uh, Rocky took over and... I mean, we all know what happened after that. Three Stanley Cups in six years, oversaw the dynasty, got home games back on TV, complete revitalization of the franchise, brought hockey back to Chicago in a way that they hadn't seen in decades. Um, so all of that is good. And on the other hand, the whole Kyle Beach thing, don't need to go into that much detail. Now, the investigation did show that he had no knowledge of it when it happened. However, it still happened under his watch. He's the guy in charge. He has to be held accountable. And there was also a a really, a really bad moment in the press conference. Like, oh, like not a a while after it came out. uh, Mark Lazarus from The Athletic asked about it. And his response was, uh, shall we say, not great. So, uh, you know, complicated legacy. It's but I think, you know, a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of lessons learned. Um, I'll just leave it at uh, condolences to the Wirtz family for passing to Rocky Wirtz and rest in peace. Yeah. It's uh, it's unfortunate. He got that, that black guy on his, on his tenure, but when you're, you know, the top of the, I guess, top of the future, you're in a position of power and a position of responsibility, everything that had under you, whether, whether he knew about it or not, you're responsible for it. Right. right. So it's, it's one of the things where you cannot just gloss over that. That's a huge part of, of not. huge part of, um, you know, his, his, uh, his time, um, running the Blackhawks, but, you know, in terms of the positives, like you're right, Nick, like he completely, <laughs> and it's the thing, like I, you know, I, the Blackhawks, they're a huge, you know, I guess huge franchise now in Chicago and they're relevant in Chicago in large part because of, you know, what he was able to do to kind of revitalize the organization. Right. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that it was going to, I don't think the Blackhawks would be as uh, you go to the Blackhawks games now, like, you know, they're buzzing still, even though like they weren't good, they haven't been good the past few years. Like they still fill up the United center. I don't think that would happen if it weren't for, you know, him running the team. There's a decent chance we're not doing this podcast. If not for what Rocky words did to revitalize his team and, you know, bring hockey back to, because that's, that, that was our formative years as fans. Like the, Kane and Taves era. Also, just uh, Jordan, you have something? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, just in reference to the United Center still buzzing. Uh, some of the most fun I have ever had at a sporting event is uh, when I was at Loyola, Chicago. My my big in the fraternity I was in took me to a black box game. And kind of a tradition in our, if anybody knows anything about Greek life, uh, kind of a tradition in our Greek family was you take your little to a, a sporting event. And I still, I, I remember the final score of that game. It was okay. I remember the Blackhawks had six goals. I don't remember <laughs> how many had. But man, getting to just jump and sing around and sing Chelsea dagger six times, man, there's nothing like it. And I know like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about being in the United center and being able to sing Chelsea dagger. So I, I know that, you know, there are some other people around the league that are like, Hey, it's time to move on from the Chelsea dagger era. Screw that man. Like I, I would love 
for another opportunity to go to the United Center and still be able to do that. So I, I know it is still a, a buzzing place, even when we kind of have some down years. It's kind of funny. My side, kind of a weird sidebar. My wife plays the actual Chelsea Dagger song a lot. Like whenever she's driving, <laughs> she's trying to music. And I always look over like, oh, because <laughs> she's not she's not really a hockey person. She's a she likes one of the AHL teams from San Diego and she kind of likes the Kings. But, you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, this one. <laughs> I, I will say there's one kind of morbid, interesting parallel. Uh, so I mentioned that uh, Rocky's father, Bill, uh, former owner of the Blackhawks died in 2007. That was the year that was the year the Blackhawks drafted Patrick Kane with the number one overall pick. And this year they drafted Connor Bedard with the number one overall pick. So uh, uh, Danny Wirtz, if you're listening to this, you better hope the Hawks aren't picking number one. <laughs> if we never pick number one again, he will live forever. That's right. It's kind of fitting though, that his, yeah. his, uh, Tenure starts with yeah. the drafting of Patrick Kane, their greatest player in Blackhawks history, and then it ends with Connor Bedard, who you kind of hope is, you know, getting the torch passed to him. So, kind of poetic yep. in a way. Well, that being said, I think uh, we can move on here. Uh, nothing really to cover with the Bulls, so we're going to skip over that. Uh, nothing in the SWFU segment this week. Again, if you're listening and you notice that we misspoke or said some falsehood, feel free to comment uh, or send us an email. Uh, comment on the YouTube, send us an email on our page. So now we will move into our four stars of the week. And Tig, I will let you lead off. No pun intended. Actually, big yeah. pun intended. But... Yeah. So our first star of the week goes to Jameson Tyone. You all know, if you've been listening to the show, you know how much I was kind of anti-Tyone. But hey, and I've since mentioned how he's really improved. I think like what in his last, what's the stat? Like in his last some odd starts, it's been like a 1.73 or something like that. Like I want to say six starts. Yeah, he's totally turned a corner. And that's really important when we're trying to make a playoff push. Now we just need Stroman to find his form again. But I said it in one of our group chats, and I do mean it. Right now, his ERA after... Uh, a couple days ago against the Cardinals, his ERA is 5.46. If by some miracle, the man who had over an eight ERA finishes this year under an ERA of four, I'm buying his jersey. All right. So, <laughs> so Jason Tyone, this star goes to you. Nick has the receipts. I do have uh, receipts. Now you all have the receipts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm buying his jersey if he finishes the year under four ERA. But other than that, though, Jason Tyone, keep it up, man. You get the star of the week. All right, Nick, I'll turn it over to you for our second star of the week. I will. I will tell all of you the second star right now. And in 50 years, I will tell my grandkids about the summer of Mike Talkman, the pride of Palatine, the Bambino of the Burbs, the king of the Kennedy. Mike Talkman is unbelievable. Not only has he just been Bradley grad, <laughs> Bradley grad, Bradley grad, Mike Talkman. Um, yeah, he's been he's been great coming up, but. The reason he gets a star this week is on Friday in the game against the Cardinals, he robbed Alec Burleson of a walk-off home run for a game-saving, potentially season-saving robbery of a home run. I I have not, I haven't been that excited about the end of a regular season Cubs game in a really long time. I was watching it edge of my seat, and you know it's just if that play sends the Cubs to you know sends the Cubs on a historic run and you know we make a playoff run i again i will be telling my grandkids about the summer of mike talkman 
and I'm sure you all will too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, some people mentioned jumping out of their seat, and I haven't done that in a long time. And uh, I recently moved, as some of you may know, and I finally got like my kind of some of the living rooms taking shape. And I was in the couch, you know, this is the day of, I just got all my stuff and just watching that. I literally hopped out of the couch, like got feet in the air, like, yeah, and just screaming. My poor neighbors all heard it probably. <laughs> uh, I didn't care because it was awesome. So it was a great moment. Well, moving on, this is going to be a little bit funky. Our third star of the week does not go to a Chicago sports player. However, this did occur during the Cubs Cardinals series. Miles Michaelis, you get our third star of the week for getting yourself ejected for beating Ian Happ after he accidentally hit Wilson Contreras, a former teammate, on his backswing. You really think it was on purpose if those guys spent what was it, four or five years on the same team in the same clubhouse traveling together? No. But instead, the Cardinal way has to take precedence. Oh, the good old Cardinal way. Old school, hard-nosed baseball. Well, you get your ass ejected and you get your manager suspended for a game. So Miles Michaelis for getting ejected in the beginning of the ball game and allowing the Cubs to beat up on your bullpen. Third star of the week goes to you, buddy. Couldn't be more proud. Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a good rant and you just had to punctuate it with the most sarcastic dumbass. Oh man. I was proud of that. That wasn't sarcastic. That was genuine. He is a genuine (laughs) dumbass. Okay. A red Foreman esque dumbass. How's that? Is that, is that a little more fair? Andrew. (laughs) No, our final start of the week is uh, Darnell Wright. um, Who early killed his conditioning. And not only every NFL player they have to do conditioning tests, pass a physical, whatever, has to be in a training camp. Uh, Don't know right. Not only did he crush it for the odds of lying conditioning test, he did so well that would have passed for the wide receiver conditioning test because guess what? Don't know right. A true rookie mistake. Not only mistaking his conditioning test, he condition he, he mistaked his conditioning test for the wide receiver conditioning test. So he did all his work to get in shape to do the wide receiver conditioning tests test not knowing that that was not what he had to do so he completely overdid the assignment there he did way too much than he should have um but you know what good for john all right man the guy worked his butt off to get in shape and apparently ryan poles general manager sent him like uh, i guess like uh, he, he texts all the rookies like gifts if they like did well their conditioning tests and so i guess he he sent something some kind of weird text to Darnell Wright. so but yeah congrats to the rookie man putting in the work already just being an overachiever Task failed successfully. Dude dropped <laughs> 15 pounds yeah. in the offseason. Dropped 15 still like, pounds. It's like 320 or something like that. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a big boy, but like, I mean, he dude. busted his ass in the offseason because he yeah. trained for the wrong conditioning test. The wrong conditioning test, but hey, it'll, it'll pay off in the, in the in the 17 game season. So shout out to him. All right, well, we're going to move on to the complete 180 here. Andrew, I am I know we normally have you go first, but your internet's being a little fluky. And no offense, but I don't want to listen to you cutting in and out for three minutes. So I'll go first to uh, if, if you want to mess with your internet a little bit. Um, yeah. See if see if we can bring that back. We'll, uh, we'll keep moving you back until we can get you back. Um, so with that being said, we'll move on to our fan favorite complete 180 segment, and I will lead it off. Uh, if you'll notice, we are still a little bit of a ways away from football season. But I busted out my Bears jersey. 
got my my GSH on the sleeve because I cannot freaking wait for football season. I am so pumped this year. I don't know if you could tell when we were kind of going over the training camp stuff, but I really do have a pretty positive outlook. Last year was freaking rough for all of us. I think that much goes without saying, but I saw a clip. I can't remember which ESPN show Dan Orlovsky's on. And I know you can say what you want about Dan Orlovsky. I know he's kind of hit or miss, but he pulled up some statistics for second year quarterbacks in a Mike Shanahan style offense. Um, God, I can't remember the names that he threw out, but you know, plenty of guys have done this, but on average, and this is average 34 touchdown passes, I think just over 4,000 passing yards, just crazy, crazy statistics in the second year in this style of offense that we run with Luke Getze. And you couple, so, you know, completely disregard the fact that we added offensive weapons finally. Justin Fields is for the first time in his career in the second year of a scheme because he's had so many different coaching changes and all of this. We finally have some stability. We're finally building up the offensive line. We finally got them offensive weapons. Oh, and not to mention, we went out and got TJ, TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. Got to make sure I get the last names right because they're similar. But so we've got good linebackers again. We've been drafting well in our secondary. Eddie Jackson's feeling himself. All we got to do is go out and get a strong pass rusher, which I keep telling you in polls I trust. So I am super amped for this football season. I really do think we can have a winning record, even if it is just nine and eight. I will totally consider that a win. There's all kinds of drama going on with the Lions in their training camp with suspensions and injuries. Uh, the Vikings still have Kirk Cousins under center. And despite the fact that I've been watching quarterback and hate the fact that I really do, that show has made me like Kirk Cousins and I hate myself for it, but he's still Kirk Cousins. He's still primetime Kirk. He still can't perform in the playoffs. So I think like we were saying, you know, this year is going to be a building year, but uh, I really do have some hope for the future and I cannot wait. We are less than 40 days from opening day in the NFL and I cannot wait. So right there with you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think so you want me to go now? Your audio is yeah. better. Yeah. yeah, yeah let's let's better, run yeah. it. Let's, let's run go. It. Go, go. Okay. Um, so for my 180, I want to talk about a movie that uh, Nick and I just went and saw this past week, and that was Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, um, which incredible movie. Uh, I think both both Nick and I remember after we were leaving the, the movie theater, we were just speechless because yep. um, it was just it was just that good. But you know, the entire Oppenheimer experience it got me to uh, looking into Nolan's biography a little bit more to kind of you know uh, recaps the movies done in the past, and um, it got me watching some of his old movies. And um, so, what, for my one eighty, I wanted to do a little bit of a tier tier list of. Christopher Nolan's movies. Now, a little bit of a caveat. I have not seen all of Nolan's movies. I have not seen Following. I haven't seen Tenet. And I have not seen Insomnia. So I got to check those out. I've heard some really good things about Insomnia. Um, mixed things about Tenet and Following. I know it's kind of like Nolan's first low-budget film. So it's kind of like a mixed bag there. 
But uh, so my lowest tier, I have three tiers here. My lowest tier is uh, Dark Knight Rises and Interstellar. And I don't <laughs> know if Interstellar gonna kill you. is. <laughs> and I might do. <laughs> I'll throw a caveat out here. I'm not saying these are bad movies. For those of you that are listening on Spotify, Ty literally just ripped off his headset and got up and didn't laugh at his apartment. He's back now. Okay. Sorry. Just to make it clear, I am not saying these are bad movies. Christopher Nolan has never made a bad movie. But the reason I have these is here, and I'm not going to go into full details here, is because I do feel like both of these movies are quite flawed, all right? They're, they have a lot of great aspects, a lot of highs, but a lot of lows, all right? Tag is losing his mind. All right, Tag is losing I'm his Tag, but Anne Hathaway talking about how love is the strongest thing in the universe, that's cringy. That is corny as hell, all right? And it almost ruins the movie for me. I'm sorry. Special effects can't make up for the fact that Anne Hathaway has the worst dialogue in all of Christopher Nolan's movies. I'm sorry. Anyway... Uh, but I think we can all agree that Dark Knight Rises is not Nolan's strongest either. All right. No, <laughs> no, we can't all agree. <laughs> anyway, moving on to my second tier. Uh, second yeah, Andrew, tier. You might just want to tier. speed through this before Ty has an aneurysm. That's true. Uh, second tier. I, I have uh, these are good quality movies, but I couldn't quite put them in the top tier. Uh, Batman Begins, you know, one of the best origin story superhero movies out there. Um, the Prestige, really great film. Uh, I watched that the other day, and that was just excellent. Uh, Dunkirk, which I thought was an excellent, excellent war movie. Nolan kind of gives it his own little twist, which is always fun. And gosh, now the other ones, I'm kind of missing. I think there's one more I want to put in here, but now I'm missing it because Ty completely distracted. Memento, probably, or is it? Do you have Memento. Memento yeah, Memento. Yeah. yeah, Memento. It's pretty. Memento's kind of like on the uh, cusp here because that's a really great movie too. Um, and then the top tier for me, Oppenheimer's up there for now. I'll have to give it another look to kind of see if that's kind of where I have it. But Oppenheimer's in that top tier for me. Uh, Inception and of course The Dark Knight. So those are those. That's my Nolan tier list. Oh, All right. I know, I know, my one eighty is next week. Good lord! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Top I'm sorry. Andrew just... Freeman doesn't know what he's talking. About. Wow. <laughs> Interstellar has great. Okay, I'll say this: Interstellar, oh. one of the best technically made films, special effects wise, we're going to see. But I'm sorry that the the story aspect of it just loses me every single Man, time I, I watch it. I have not laughed that hard in a while. Holy cow! Anyway. Wow. Dark Knight Rises. Um, and then he hasn't even seen Insomnia. <laughs> okay, whatever, <laughs> whatever. And, or Tenet. Oh my god! Like following, I get because like nobody's seen that one because that's you know yeah old. But whatever. Jesus. Okay. Anyways, I'm <laughs> guessing my turn. Um. Okay. So I I not gonna lie to y'all. I wrote this like two hours before we started because again I've been moving and everything. But um, I decided I've been you know I listen to Pink Floyd a lot. Uh, I've talked about it so much on here. Roger Waters' Dark Side of the Moon redoes coming out October 6th. I'll have an 180 for that one. Um, but, you know, I started doing, I was like, 
because I couldn't think of anything for this week because I, I was so last minute. I was like, let me just do top five Pink Floyd songs. But then I decided, well, let's do a little twist. Uh, everybody in this group here knows Pink Floyd. Um, I know our families all, Jordan, for the most part, doing? I think, know Pink Floyd. Is, I don't know what he's Jordan doing. doing? He's, I think he's, he's, he's Jordan. No, you're not allowed to take your shirt off. No, no. <laughs> it's like it's like cutting in and out. For those too. of you listening, Jordan is taking his shirt off. <laughs> I think he's taking. I think he has an undershirt on. Uh, he probably has a pink yeah, shirt yeah. on. Yeah, Oh, maybe he does. Hold on, hold on. This is much easier. Yeah, there you go. I think my jersey's too tight, but I'm wearing a Pink Floyd Live in Pompeii t-shirt. There right you now. go. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the whole Great point movie. of what I was trying yeah, to yeah. do. I just so what I'm trying to say is like we all know Pink Floyd here. Um. And like, if you know me, you already know I'm obsessed with Blink-182, so I don't have to talk about that. So what I want to do is five Pink Floyd songs that maybe you guys don't really listen to as much or don't know as well, or just our listeners don't know as well, um, except for my dad. So uh, <laughs> these are not really in any particular order, except for number one. That one's really important to me. But um, I start off with number five, Goodbye Blue Sky off of The Wall. Everybody knows The Wall. Um, I feel like the song kind of gets overlooked because you got Comfortably Numb, you got Another Brick in the Wall, you got Everything Run Like Hell, you got all these great songs from the wall. Um, but it's a pretty change of pace. It's an acoustic song, some instrumentation. David Gilmore's voice is always lovely. Um, sad song, you know, reflects on World War II. But I think people kind of forget it. Literally, at my last duty station, there was this kid with a, a, the wall sticker on his water bottle and i was like oh do you like pink floyd and he's like i only listen to that one album sergeant but i like it a lot and i was like okay and like branch out a little kid but whatever and i was like what's your favorite song and he's like run like hell and what's yours and i was like that's a good pick and i, I told him goodbye blue sky and he looked at me like i was making up song titles like so like if, if even the guy who's like oh, i only like this album doesn't know it um you should give it a listen if you haven't you probably have if you listen to the wall obviously if you listen to what you have but um look out for it it's it's a, it's a nice song uh number number four uh kind of same vein of acoustic uh grandchester meadows off of umaguma's studio side uh umaguma's studio side gets canned so bad by fans uh i like it um i don't obviously i don't like it as much as other albums but i still like it i think it has a lot of good merit at the time the band was obsessed with like okay you write your own songs you write your own songs you write your own songs i'll write my own songs and then we'll just throw them on an album together and that'll be the album and they did that twice i don't know why when you have such great musicians why you wouldn't want them to collaborate like they do on the dark side of the moon um but they were obsessed with doing that for two albums and that's uh roger waters piece acoustic it's like seven minutes long um but it trans i've never been to the real Grandchester meadows but like listening to that song transports me to location. Like I feel like I've been there. Um, so very pretty song. If you haven't heard it, give it a listen, give the rest of the album, a listen kind of weird, but I dig it. Uh, number three, what's of the deal off of obscured by clouds, which was a soundtrack to a French movie. Um, really you should just listen to the whole album. Jordan pointed out his live at Pompeii shirt. If you ever watched that movie, Roger waters goes on a whole rant about why that album's production got screwed. Um, and it's kind of funny because he he's like he's trying to defend the album so hard because at the time and it did like there was some bad thing in the production that gave it like a really horrid like noise I think if you tried listening to like one of the first pressings so uh, but nowadays I think a lot of Pink Floyd fans really dig it it is a very nice album it's quick um, it's really good and what's other deal is excuse me one of my favorite songs on the album so is Free for Childhood's End some really good stuff. 
Um, Rick Wright has a song about one night stand as well as on Adam Hartmother. He was obsessed with writing about one night stands. I don't know. <laughs> uh, poor Rick Wright, I guess. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> number two. Life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Number two, <laughs> I was between a few songs off of like The Division Bell. Um, I, I think I was going to do, I can't remember. I was uh, between another song and one of the other albums. Uh, I chose Two Sons in the Sunset off of the final cut. Again, this is after the wall. It's basically Roger Waters' studio uh, solo album with Pink Floyd members involved. I like the final cut a lot. I like I like all their albums except for Momentary Lapse Reason. That album can go into the graveyard. But um, I think the song I don't know. This song just lives run free in my head. Uh, it's really depressing. It's about nuclear holocaust. <laughs> so I don't know why, but like it just I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I like the song a lot. Uh, Two Sons and Sunset because you know the mushroom clouds in the sky so that's in the fireball so um trivia note the drummer on this song is andy newmark in nick mason fashion everything after the wall if the song was too hard for him to play he was like give it to somebody else uh and he does that <laughs> quite a bit <laughs> i'm just saying like he gives up pretty easily he's like nah let somebody else take care of it so uh, I like that one. I like the final cut. You should listen to it as well. Um, and then finally, this song is really important to me. This is like my number one is Fearless off of Metal. Um, Metal has a lot of good memories for me. That song has a lot of good memories for me. Um, I just remember a picnic with my dad. Like It just brings like summer with him back. And then also the whole album as a whole. He used to play for me as a lullaby album, which is a terrible choice. Like one of these days is on that album. That's a horrible <laughs> lullaby song for a kid. I couldn't get enough of it, though. I loved it. That and Jimmy World's Bleed American put me to bed at night. I don't know, man. I'm weird. That um, explains a lot. It explains a lot. Fearless <laughs> is, a, is a very beautiful song. Um, again, kind of the same things like gorgeous, like like David Gilmore's voice is very nice. Very lovely guitars. Um, and then I also just have some other nostalgic memories for me that like are come from that song. So if you haven't heard any of those songs, give them a listen. Give a listen to all those albums that they're from. Um, and it's kind of a nice way to expand your Pink Floyd. <laughs> just <laughs> listening. So Wish You Were Here is always going to be one of my favorites. Well, and that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Cause like, Wish You Were Here is honestly my favorite Pink Floyd album, I think. Animals is up there. It's like a close second. Uh, Dark Side, obviously, is always going to be up there. So yeah. it's just one of those things where it's like, you've heard all those, you've heard The Wall, uh, you've probably heard Echoes off of Metal. So if you haven't, you know, expanded anything, you know, those are some songs that are my favorites, maybe but I attempt, like it all. Maybe attempt listening to one of these albums while watching Spider-Man 3. I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a shot. Let us know Give what happens. Why Let not? Something. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. All right, Nick. You want to close things out here? Yes, I will. All right. So for my 180 this, this week, I wanted to talk uh, MLB trade deadline. And more importantly who the Cubs could target to help their team and, you know, what they could offer other teams. So I, I got four potential targets. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I wrote all this before everything happened today, but I think everybody I mentioned here is still like with the team that they're currently on. anyway, whatever. Um, so potential, to, potential target. Number one, St. Louis, this is my offer. You give us Paul Goldschmidt. And we'll send you enough fireworks for one five-minute show so that you can give the citizens of St. Louis at least one moment where something, anything exciting is happening in St. Louis. St. Louis is boring. St. Louis, Bryant. St. Louis is boring. And Lord knows their baseball and hockey teams aren't helping. St. Louis uh, also smells. St. Louis smells. 
Maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll throw in some air fresheners too. You know, yeah. like, yeah. It All was right. the only place I almost got in a car accident on my move out here ah, was in St. Sense. Louis. Granted, it was my cat's fault. He crawled in my footwell while I was driving and made me freak out. He just I almost really wanted to get the hell out of St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Uh, trade target number two is Oakland. All right. Now, they're tough since they're pretty committed to the tank. So I got the perfect solution. We'll give them Trey Mancini. Like, they, he'll just be the perfect tank commander. We'll hand him. And in return, um, we request that uh, the Oakland A's provide the four-star podcast a suite of the Bellagio for the first Cubs A's, A's series in Las Vegas. I'm down. I, I would have also thrown in like a gambling bankroll, but even a low stakes bankroll would be about double what you're paying your players. So I don't want to get greedy. <laughs> um, trade target number I'd three. I'd burn through it anyways. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I would too. Um, I'm blackjack and hookers. <laughs> <laughs> Futurama reference. Futurama trade. reference. No, that's just, no, that's just Jordan Saturday night. <laughs> oh, um, God. All right, trade target number three is Colorado. You give us Ryan McMahon, and in return, we'll also take in 40,000 of Denver's most annoying stoners. We don't know, we know you don't want to deal with them any more than we do, but we'll just ship them off to Naperville. It's going to be impossible to make that suburb any more annoying than it already is. So they're just going to fit right in. Wait, wait. I, I thought Naperville was Chicago. Fuck off, Jordan. <laughs> It's late enough in the show. It's late. I could, I could drop. I could drop an f bomb. There's our unscripted one. And oh, it, it, that's our one. It's a PG thirteen show. That's the one f bomb. That's the one. That's the one. And finally, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go to the south side here with the White Sox. You guys give us back Dylan Cease, and in return, we will let you claim that you are the top baseball franchise in Chicago for the next six months. We'll even make sure ESPN only mentions the 2005 World Series when they're talking about Chicago <laughs> titles during that time. You know, Cease is an outstanding picture, but this deal gives you the one thing that you'll never have otherwise. Relevancy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's what I think Jed should do for the deadline. Hire me. Man, Nick just dropped the I, mic. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm all in, Nick. I'm ready for it. Yeah, Especially I, I that like Bellagio that. suite. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. If we get nothing else, like, I, I'm happy with that. Amen. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that devolved quickly. <laughs> that devolved very quickly. Oh, man. All right. So uh, something to note, um, our episodes cannot go past an hour. Otherwise, we just get slap happy and totally off the rails. But uh, hey, that's what's the most fun. So anyway, with all that being said, thank you all so much for watching and listening. <laughs> Once again, I'm Jordan DuPont, joined by Nick DeCola at ndecola21 on Twitter, Tag Mullen at tmmullen007, and Andrew Freeman at ajfreeman25. You can check out the show at four star pod CHI and four star pod CHI.com. Eventually Tyke will start writing blog posts that will be up there as well as our latest episodes. And First one's going to be why interstellar is the greatest movie ever. <laughs> Fair. Uh, and as always, you can check out Andrew's other work on the bear report at two, four, seven sports.com and the picks for polls podcast. Make sure you join us again next week where we'll be back ranting and raving about the Cubs, Hawks, Bulls, and Bears again. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your week.